Hello, welcome to Doula Dang Thing. Today we're talking about breastfeeding complications after a complicated birth. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today. I'm your doula, Ashley. I'm here with my sister, Natasha. Hi. How you doing, Tosh? Pretty good. I have been a little bit sick though, so apologies if I sound stuffed up. It's all good. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not that good. I don't know how to do that. So what's going on? What's new? Not much. I just like have a really big shopping bug right now. Like I really want to go <laughs> shopping, but I'm cheap. And so I want to mm-hmm. go to the thrift store. I'll go with you. I love thrift stores, as you know. Because I'm not like, I don't like like shopping and getting stuff. I like the hunt of it. Like mm-hmm. I like going to like find a find something yeah going into a cute curated store and buying one thing is not fun to me not me either and I mean it should be because like it's so cute and like they've put a lot of work and effort into making (laughs) it beautiful but I like going into a dirty gross (laughs) like disgusting place and being like what could I find in here because then when you find something great you're like I I did this. <laughs> also, going into even a clean thrift store, I'm like, ugh, it's so Me organized. Too. Me too. I'm like, why am I even here? It's just so weird. It's so weird. That's our thing, guys. Yeah, I need to go find new jeans because my jeans aren't fitting well. And, like, I feel like jean styles keep changing. Like, it yeah. was, like, high-waisted. If you wear a low-rise jean, you're a loser. And now it's starting to go back to low-rise, which I know, I'm just not as, excited about. Right at the time, everyone got rid of all their low-rise jeans, tricksters. Um, but, yeah, I cannot wear low-rise jeans, and I really don't want them to come back. But I don't feel like they can stick around much longer because I think that we've seen that that was a mistake. I don't our think so. Because our butts were out and everyone's our crack. I mean... But we loved it. Loved it. We've, I owned it. I mean, you guys, Ashley's husband calls when you have a plumber's butt pulling a Natasha because I wore the <laughs> lowest jeans in the 2000s. <laughs> so did I. My zipper was like not even an inch long. Like why even put a zipper there? It it's didn't make so any crazy. sense. I don't, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. I'm almost 40 years old. I can't, no, live, also I can't like, live like this. Yeah, like having kids, like you have to like go like lean over at school and then all the kids Mm -hmm. see your butt crack yeah that's not my thing so (sighs) I don't know maybe it will be like low-rise jeans with dresses on top again I see stuff all the time I'm like that's exactly what I wore when I was younger so we're at that age now where it's like in my day we used to wear that too I know and it's so crazy because yeah your daughter is the age where the style was at our age Mm -hmm. I don't know I didn't say that right, but you get what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But like, it's so crazy because it's like, oh, so middle school style is exactly the same since 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so wild. She wears the all hair, the, same stuff. the two little pieces in the front mm-hmm. of your hair. Yep. It's crazy. And like, even the songs, like on TikTok and stuff, it's all like old songs from when I was a kid. And Ella will be like, how do you know that song? I'm like, how do you know that song? That song's so old. You're like, not only do I know that song, I know all the ad libs, the choreography yeah. from the music <laughs> I know video. every single lyric. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I cried when they didn't win the MTV Choice Award. <laughs> <laughs> you would always cry when people didn't win awards. Oh my awards. gosh, I know. Like when so Leonardo empathetic. DiCaprio didn't oh, win. Oh, so embarrassing. You cried. Yeah, I cried. I loved him. Oh, funny. He's like, so not my style now. But, you know, that Romeo and Juliet, how can you not? Yeah, you cried over the Titanic, though. Oh, yeah. Well, because he really deserved it. Because Romeo and Juliet, he didn't get any awards. And then Titanic, I mean, come on. I watched that movie in the theater at least five times. I definitely watched it three times. Wait, Titanic was after yeah. Romeo and Juliet, right? I want to watch that movie and see if it's any good now. I watched it um, during COVID, like quarantine, when we watched everything on the face of the <laughs> yeah. And yeah, well, it was good. I didn't feel the same way about it as I felt when I was like 13. But... Yeah, you weren't like screaming, crying. <laughs> it was, it was like... I want to know what love is. <laughs> 
That's like those movies. But that's so vibe, you know? Okay, I'll give it to you. Oh my gosh. Okay, back to business. And we're back to business. So we actually got a request from a listener, which is super cool. Loving it. And also, if like if you guys have an idea for an episode or if a question comes up from a previous episode that you want us to dig in a little deeper, let us know. We'd love to hear it. Uh, contact us on Instagram at supported underscore season. Um, you can DM me or whatever. Slip into my DMs. Ooh, <laughs> she is a babe. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> the request was to talk about uh, problems with breastfeeding after complicated births. So this person had a traumatic birth the first time and had some issues breastfeeding and they're pregnant again and they want to make sure that they're not going to have the same issues or just some tips and tricks of how to handle those issues should something go unexpectedly with their birth this time. Okay, so what kind of, what are some things that could happen at your birth that would affect breastfeeding? Uh, A lot of things. You know, there's this idea that breastfeeding is just like gonna happen and it's just super simple and, and straightforward. And for some people that's true, but for a lot of people, it's a complicated issue and it's, it's difficult and, you know, a lot of things can go wrong. A lot goes into a baby being able to drink and swallow milk. And the reason is because they have to have a rhythm of breathe, suck, swallow, breathe, suck, swallow, breathe, suck, swallow. And that is hard. If you've ever drank from a bottle, like at a baby shower or whatever, you probably know that it's not that easy. It's a lot of work from your mouth, the muscles in your mouth have to work really hard to get the milk out or whatever liquid out. And having to breathe, suck, swallow that quickly can be really difficult. That doesn't really happen until around 34 weeks of gestation. So it does take some time. Um, They can practice breastfeeding before then. That's really helpful for both you and baby. And they can do what's called non-nutritive sucking, where they're just kind of just doing like quick little bursts of of sucking, um, but nothing, not strong enough to actually like get milk out and swallow it. Um, just to kind of practice and, and stimulate your breasts in, in that kind of way, that can also be helpful. Um, any sort of time they're on the breast, they can practice and you'll get stimulated and that is always a good thing. After that, then it gets a little easier. They can kind of organize their movements a little better and they have a better chance of being able to do that without choking. Uh, but before then, they are either fed through a tube Um, that goes either through their mouth or nose down into their stomach or just with um, vitamins through an IV. So there are are a lot of things that go into a baby learning how to eat and it's very complicated. There's a long learning process. It's difficult. Um, It's it's a strain on on you as a, a parent and babies will figure it out. That's just how it goes. They don't have an option, you know, once they're ready to do that, if that does happen, you know, sometimes babies need to be fed for through a tube for a longer period of time or even forever. And so that's a totally other podcast episode. We won't go into that. But when they're learning to breastfeed, it takes some time. They're going to make a lot of mistakes. Some feeds will go great. Some feeds will be terrible. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs. It's going to feel like so much work because it is. It's a lot of work, but it's doable and you can do it if that's important to you. If not, there are other options and that's okay too. But either way, it's going to be difficult for them to learn to feed when they're born early or with any sort of complications. When it comes to labor issues or complications, uh, your breast milk is made from blood. So if you've lost a lot of blood during labor for whatever reason, you can have a really tough time making milk afterwards because your body doesn't have enough blood to make the milk. If you had a lot of, if you lost a lot of blood, but then you got a blood transfusion or is that what it's called? Uh Uh-huh. Is it different blood because the hormones are different and it's like your blood doesn't know you're pregnant or? 
Does it kind of even out in terms of producing breast milk? Oh, I don't know about the new blood and hormones. I would assume that that's not the case because your hormones are continually being produced. And so maybe like right when you get it, it like dilutes the hormones, but then your body will, will keep making the hormones. Because I had a blood transfusion um, with my second birth because mm-hmm. I lost a lot of blood and I was able to breastfeed for a year. So that was fine. Cool. Did you breastfeed exclusively? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I would supplement with bottles sometimes mm-hmm. so I could like have a break or like go somewhere or mm-hmm. stuff like that, but it was pretty much exclusively breastfed. Crazy. Well, it'll work. But, yeah, but with my first pregnancy, I gave birth at 26 weeks and I had a really hard time building up my supply. Now, had I known what I know now, it would have been different and I would have probably had a better experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you give birth uh, preterm, which is before 37 weeks gestation, then it is more difficult to get that going and all that stuff. For one, your baby's not strong enough to stimulate your breasts as well as a full-term baby, so their suck is weaker. Mm. And so, you know, it's, your body makes more milk when milk is removed from the breast. So if your baby is not strong enough to suck enough milk out, then your body's not going to make enough milk. And also, if your baby's in the NICU, you're going to most likely be relying on pumping. And pumping is not the same as having your baby um, take the milk out. It stimulates differently. You know, breastfeeding is a very hormonal experience. And when you are connected with your baby and they're, you know, skin to skin and you're holding your baby, your body reacts differently than sticking plastic pieces on your boobs and having the machine go, you know, it's an emotional difference. Mm -hmm. If you have your baby next to you, and you're pumping, does that help? Or is it the way that the machine is sucking? Uh, It is definitely a little bit of both. But yeah, if you have your baby next to you, or even like I always recommend if your baby is in the NICU um, or unable to feed for whatever reason, you place the baby skin to skin on you while you're pumping, which can give you kind of the same hormonal feedback that you need. Um, But that's obviously not possible every single time you're going to pump because you have to pump minimum three hours. I would say more like two hours is, is more beneficial during the day. And then you can move to, to three hours at nighttime. You mean every two hours? Yeah. Okay. And then is there a benefit to like, yeah, don't pump for two hours long. <laughs> I was like, wait, two hours is less than three hours. And then I was like, oh wait, um, is there a benefit to Feeding your baby with pumped milk while you're pumping. So, like, does the hormone communication happen of, like, your baby's drinking milk and, like, your boobs are there? Like That could work. Yeah, that could help you. It's just whatever makes you feel more calm and connected to your baby. So even looking at a picture sometimes helps. Anything to remind you of your baby while you're pumping Mm -hmm. can help produce more milk. Okay. And this is kind of a tangential question, but if, so like, there's all these studies around like your milk changes based on what your baby needs and all this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes breast milk so cool and like Mm -hmm. beneficial, all these things. But does pumping offer the same amount if you're like going to go freeze it and have like the stockpile of milk because it's changing based on what your baby needs then but you're going to feed it to your baby later yeah so it doesn't give the same like biofeedback so when your baby's sucking on your breast the, their saliva goes into your breast and your body reads their saliva and like so if they're getting sick it'll pump up the antibodies or like you know it kind of reads different things like that it, it can tell if they're male or female and will change depending on their needs that way. Like it just, it reads your baby. So if your baby is not on your breast, you're not going to get those same exact uh, benefits, but it's still very beneficial for your baby. Um, the, you know, the antibodies and all that stuff that your baby gets from the breast milk is, is really good. Even though breastfeeding 
seems really, really difficult and such a pain in the butt because you have to pump still and then the baby's going to practice before they learn and then the practice time takes a really long time instead of a short while for, you know, a full-term baby or a baby without any complications. And so it does seem like it's just like, why, why even do this? Why is it worth it? And the reason is that the nutrition for a especially a preterm baby is very important. And, you know, the antibodies they need to fight things are more susceptible to illness and to sepsis and all of those things. And breast milk antibodies do help them fight those things off. And any amount of breast milk helps your baby if you decide, um, you know, that it was just too hard or, it, you know, you don't want to breastfeed for every feeding. You can supplement and your baby's still going to get those same benefits. Any amount of breast milk is good. Okay. So if you have complications in your birth and you're just struggling and you're like not getting enough milk out and your baby's hungry and your baby's losing weight, um, you know, we, we read how much baby's getting by their diaper output. So they need to have at least, you know, six, six to eight wet or dirty diapers within 24 hours and they need to be gaining weight. That's how we judge whether they're getting enough food. When you're breastfeeding, and if that's not happening, supplement. We need to make sure baby's safe and getting food and and healthy and not getting dehydrated. We want to make sure that everything's going well that way. Supplement. Your baby's still benefiting if you give them any amount of milk. So instead of looking at it like, oh, I failed, I can't feed my baby, think about it like, okay, I'm giving my baby these benefits as much as I possibly can. Mm Mm-hmm. Donor milk is milk that comes from a milk bank, and women donate milk to the milk banks for many reasons. Sometimes they're just, you know, have a great supply and they just have so much extra that they decided to donate to these milk banks. Or another reason may be they unfortunately lost their baby, and to honor their baby, they decide to donate the milk that their body produces to another family that really needs it. This milk is safe. They pasteurize it, make sure it doesn't have any you know, infectious diseases or anything like that. So it's, it's clean and safe for your baby to have. It is the most recommended way to supplement with other breast milk. They don't really recommend you having your friend do that or you know somebody that you know feeding your baby from their breasts just because breast milk is made from blood and there is a chance that you know, communicable diseases can be passed along to your baby. So a milk bank is the safest way to utilize donor milk. That's available to you, um, especially when you're at the hospital, especially when your baby is in the NICU. Um, they'll, that'll be really easy to get. You just sign a form and they'll bring the donor milk for your baby. Okay. So even if things are kind of hard, just doing like nighttime bottle being like one feeding a day is still going to do something. Yeah, so in the be- in the very beginning, before you're getting your supply regulated, you're going to want to feed often, as often as possible, or pump as often as possible, because that's what's getting your body making the milk. And then once that regulates, then you can decide what works best for you and your schedule. Obviously, the more breast milk you give your baby, the better, but I mean, babies are fine on formula too. Okay. So for moms who are really passionate and want to nurse but have had some of these issues other than pumping often, what are some other things that they can do? Lots of skin-to-skin time, if possible, with your baby. So if they're in the NICU, have the nurses set it up, get comfy, have snacks with you, have drinks with you um, because you're not going to be able to leave for a while. Uh, they'll put the baby on your chest. They'll cover you with a curtain or however the rooms are set up so so it's private and people can't walk by and see you with your top off. So again, that skin-to-skin contact helps them to regulate their heartbeat, their breathing rates, their oxygen levels, their body temperature, all of these things that that skin-to-skin helps them with. You know, when you're breastfeeding, you're skin-to-skin, and that gives them improvements. If you're not breastfeeding, you still should always do skin-to-skin as much as possible because that will do the same, that will have the same benefits as breastfeeding because of that skin-to-skin contact with you. Even having dad do it or any sort of caregiver in the household do it is beneficial for the baby. But as far as breastfeeding is concerned, any skin-to-skin contact is going to be great. 
because that's how your body reads like the oxytocin, right? So the oxytocin is what makes your milk come out, that milk ejection reflex. So the more oxytocin we can get, the better. If you are not feeling bonded to your baby, does skin to skin still help with milk production? Yeah, skin to skin will help make you feel bonded to your baby. So if you're not feeling bonded, or even if you're suffering from postpartum depression or something like that, uh, skin to skin will help that. It's not like a cure-all, of course, but Mm -hmm. it does help. Other things are um, just getting on a pumping schedule and figuring out what makes you feel relaxed and calm while you're pumping. Sometimes that's not easy. The pumps are sometimes noisy and distracting. It, it feels strange, you know, it's like all of this stuff, you're dealing with emotional stuff of your birth and, you know, all these complicated feelings. So figuring out what it is, like we said, you could look at a picture, look at your actual baby while you pump. If your baby's in the NICU, you can have them wheel in the pump and they'll get you set up to pump like while you're next to your baby, you could put your hand on your baby, you know, all of those things are going to help increase your milk supply. The pumping schedule has to be frequent because a newborn baby is going to eat every one to three hours. So if you're pumping every four or five hours, you're not going to be getting enough milk to feed your baby. And your supply is going to lessen and it can be difficult to increase supply, especially if you've been going longer and longer in between pumps. So if, if breastfeeding your baby is, a, a, is very important to you and you really want that to happen, you have to be consistent about your pumping, which I know is not fun. And I went through it myself and I tried super duper hard. I was told to pump every three to four hours. That was not enough. And knowing what I know now, I would have done it every two hours during the day and maybe every three hours at night. Like I said earlier, but pumping often, getting milk out often. If you're having trouble getting milk out, check with the lactation consultant to fit your flange size of your pump because there are different sizes of the flanges. So sometimes if the flange is the wrong size, you could have trouble getting the milk out. Also, sometimes mechanical pumps are too distracting and you just can't, you just can't relax enough to let the milk come out and a manual pump is better. So trying different things, meeting with the lactation consultants until you figure out what, what's going on until you get a good system going down, you know? Mm -hmm. And just in case people don't know, the flange is the piece that attaches to the pump to your breast. Right. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, oh my gosh, that made me think of this one time when, so when her Ashley's first baby was in the NICU. We were all staying at a hotel just to be close to the hospital. And before we checked in, there was something where you had to go. We found you a closet in a hotel, and you pump. You were pumping in there, like oh, it's so not easy. About it. Yeah, it's wild. So it was, it was really important to me. I really wanted to be able to do that. Preterm babies love breastfeeding because it's skin to skin. It's also less stressful for them to breastfeed. Um, the reason is because that breathe, suck, swallow combination is so difficult for them when they're so tiny and their brains aren't fully developed yet. And having the breast milk, they can control when it comes out and when it doesn't. Uh, where a bottle, you're kind of just like pouring it in their mouth and the, the flow is a lot faster. So if you're using a bottle, definitely use one with a preemie sized nipple, which is a teeny tiny hole. And that will help them to control the flow of the milk instead of it just being poured into their mouth because that can cause them to choke. If you have a fast letdown, that means your milk right away when, when you feel your milk coming into your breast, it comes out really, really fast. It's best to pump ahead of time. So pump that, that first bit of milk that comes out really fast until your flow starts to slow down. Then put baby on the breast so that way they're not being drowned while they're feeding if they're not quite ready to eat from the breast yet or they're not quite strong enough, pump first and 
leave a little bit of milk on your nipple so they can taste it and they, they can recognize that that's where milk comes from. And then they'll start doing their non-nutritive sucking and they'll practice. And that, will, that stimulation on your breasts can sometimes cause another letdown, which will produce more milk. So pump first, have baby on um, to stimulate that and to get everything moving. And then if you feel like it, you don't have to, but you can pump again. So anytime baby can be on the breast to practice is great. I know it's like, you know, we have lives and we have all these things going on, but especially once they're to the age where they are ready to start trying, just, you know, giving them a couple of weeks to really just be there with them, allowing them to practice as much as possible, being there for as many feeds as you can, that's going to help them to have a better success rate with breastfeeding. It's going to help you to increase your milk supply a little easier. And, you know, common feedings are great. Common feedings, common short feedings are great, especially for preterm babies because they get really tired because it's really, really hard work for them to eat and to suck all that nutrition into their bodies, but they need it. So they'll, they'll eat for little bits at a time very often. That's completely normal. That doesn't mean you're not giving them enough uh, as long as they are continuing to gain weight and they're not dehydrated and their diaper output is good. That's great signs that you're giving them plenty of milk, but it is normal for them to want to eat in short spurts more often. So don't be alarmed if you're like, I just fed them and they're hungry again. That's perfectly normal and natural. And it's actually good. Another great option if you're having trouble breastfeeding and um, your baby is not strong enough to really get the milk out, but you want them to keep practicing because you want to be able to feed them that way one time at some point, uh, an SNS, Supplemental Nursing System, is very helpful with that. Uh, they It's essentially just like a tube that you put in a bottle of your express milk, or you can even use formula for this, uh, and you tape it to your breast, right where your nipple is, so that way when they put the nipple in their mouth, they're getting that tube in their mouth, and when they suck, it comes out of the tube, and it's easier to get it out of the tube than your actual breast. Hmm. So that way they're getting the, the practice of sucking, and they're getting the milk that they need, and your breasts are getting stimulated at the same time. That's really, really beneficial, especially if you had some issues or if you, for some reason, cannot breastfeed, you can do that as well and just use formula. Okay. So you still have that same experience, mm -hmm. but, you know, it's easier on everybody. Also, experimenting with different holds can help your baby get a better or deeper latch. Um, it's very helpful to to move around and find what position works best for you and your baby. It's good even with full-term babies to change positions often because, you know, your baby will stimulate different milk ducts and, you know, either remove the milk to prevent clogs or increase your supply. So moving around in different positions for every feed is really helpful. It also helps with their development because they see different angles of your face. And um, so yeah, just keep it moving and making sure that if you're having trouble, you always go see an IBCLC. They can help you. You don't have to be struggling. You don't have to be alone. Finding, you know, a little leche league near you is really helpful too. Um, peer counselors are often available uh, through WIC and other resources like that. Those things are really going to help you to find what works to get some tips and tricks from people who are in the same place as you and who are experts at what they do also. That's what's going to help you get the most success when you feel supported and when you have different options. You can use nipple shields. I will say if you're using a nipple shield, don't just you know go willy-nilly and just buy a nipple shield and just start using it. You definitely want to be under the help of an IBCLC. They help you use a nipple shield without it interfering with long-term breastfeeding success. Uh, nipple shields are not a long-term solution. They are only meant for short-term. So make sure you're being followed by an IBCLC if you decide to use a nipple shield because it can really cause some long-term harm and some detrimental results if you continue using it for a long time. Sometimes when babies are born early or with complications, 
they don't really have the same feeding cues or they don't sort of express themselves the same way as a full-term baby would. So you're going to have to wake them up for feedings, potentially. You're going to have to keep some sort of schedule, potentially, if they're not showing you that they're hungry. Because just because a baby is quiet doesn't always mean they're fine. So you need to make sure that you're feeding them, you know, every two to three hours in the day and feeding them every three to four hours at night once they come home with you. Because sometimes they don't tell you that they're hungry Um, They don't have the ability, they don't have the energy, you know, whatever it is. So you're going to have to be the one to say, okay, it's time for feedings and make sure you get them fed. When your baby is doing those little quick sucks, the non-nutritive sucking, and they're not really pulling any milk out of your breasts, you have to pump if you want to continue to have a milk supply. That kind of sucking does not remove milk from the breasts and will not tell your body to make more milk. So if your baby goes on and they're just kind of playing and they have these quick little sucks and you don't hear a lot of swallowing, their jaw's not moving up and down showing that they're swallowing milk, then that means your milk's not coming out and that means it's staying in your breasts. And remember that removal of milk makes more milk. So if your body's not getting rid of any milk, it's like, oh, we're making plenty. We don't need any more. Stop production and you won't make any more milk. So definitely pump if you notice that your baby is still not giving those long, deep sucks that's really getting milk out and you can see them swallowing and all of those things. Um, making sure that you keep up your pumping schedule even while you're feeding is so much work. I totally get it. I understand. If you want to not do it anymore, that is definitely a choice for you to make. If it's really important for you, find a support group that can help you kind of deal with the stress of breastfeeding and doing that and and pumping. And it's a lot of work. And you're also dealing with the emotional stresses of having a baby Um, that's preterm or had some complications during your birth, that's a lot to deal with. And that's a lot to put on one person. So find somebody you can talk to. If you're comfortable with a support group, great. If you're more comfortable with a one-on-one help of a therapist, great. Just find what works for you. So that way you're not carrying all of that on your own because that's really, really heavy. Mm -hmm. There are lots of different ways to feed your baby uh, without breastfeeding or while you're practicing breastfeeding. So some of the options are an SNS. You can use a cup. Actually, cup feeding is really beneficial because their mouth moves similarly to how it moves when they're sucking from the breast. So cup feeding is really helpful. Syringe feeding is possible. Um, You can bottle feed, like I said, with a preemie nipple. All of those ways are are ways that you can feed your baby. So don't worry if breastfeeding is hard and not working and you're worried about your baby being hungry. There are so many ways to feed your baby and they're all okay and they're all beneficial to your baby because it's food. It's food going into their bodies and it doesn't matter how the food gets in there as long as they are still getting that skin-to-skin comfort that they get from breastfeeding because that's very good for their development and yours as well and that they're getting the milk inside their bodies or the formula inside their bodies. That's all that matters. So finding a way that works best for you and your baby is what you got to do and you're doing a great job if you're working at feeding your baby. That's success. Getting food inside of your baby. That's it. Breastfeeding is really cool and it's amazing and all of that good stuff, it's also not the only way to feed a child. So be flexible, give yourself grace, and recognize that feeding your baby is just getting milk inside their bodies. And so, you know, any way you have to make that happen is great. Yeah. Oh, baby stuff. Yeah. There's like, whatever it takes. Okay, so... Two hours is reasonable for somebody who has maternity leave or is a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. How does it differ, one, for people who need to work and what does that look like? And two, are there any barriers around a, some sort of physical issue that happened in, late, in birth? And like, how is there anything where the doctor's like, you cannot pump that often? Or like, is there anything that we should know about? 
Like a medical issue that prevents you from breastfeeding? Yeah, like if you had something happen in your birth, like could, is there anything, I guess is the question, that would happen in your birth where a doctor would say, actually, sorry, you can't breastfeed or you can't pump that often? Well, there are certain things that make it so where you will not make milk, but that's more of like an anatomy issue. Like if you have... um if you don't have the glands in your breast or if you've had a breast reduction and you're not making you're not making milk cuz it's not the size of your breast that that matters cuz people with smaller breasts can breastfeed just fine also but it's the glandular tissue inside your breast that's making the milk so if you for whatever reason don't have that um you know different developmental issues or abnormalities, all of those kinds of types of things, you will not make milk. So those okay. exist. Or if you had like a boob job and they kind of mess stuff up and your ducts are not working properly or they're not connected to nerve endings, that could be an issue with making with breastfeeding. So yeah, those types of things exist. Okay. And then is there any what was I gonna ask you? You asked me something else. What was it? Oh, how do people that have jobs? Oh, yeah. And have a complicated birth deal with that. That's really tough. But if you're at work in America, there are laws to make it a requirement for your employer to offer you adequate time to pump and not in a bathroom or like in a place where there's a bunch of people in a private area that you won't be disrupted. And they have to give you that time in order to pump for your baby. That's the law. Now, just because it's the law doesn't mean it's convenient. I understand it's like a big pain in the butt to have to be pumping every couple hours while you're trying to get work done and all of that. There are pumps that fit in your bra that are very quiet that you can use. I've heard that they're not as efficient or effective at removing milk, but that's better than nothing, especially while you're at work. Or maybe, you know, like every other feed, you can use something like that so you're not being as disrupted. Um, So that's an option. Another option is if you have to go back to work and you really, really want your baby to have breast milk, but you don't see it possible or it's not possible, you know, depending on what kind of a job you have to be pumping that often, you can use donor milk. You can use the donor milk as the main feeding way, or you can kind of mix it up with formula sometimes, or you can mix it into your own milk if you're continuing to pump. Um, It's just a supplement. It's just to help you be able to feed your baby with with what you want to feed them with, with, with what you feel is healthiest for your baby. And it's a great option if you're passionate about breastfeeding, but you're having a lot of difficulty or it's impossible. Uh, there's always donor milk free to use. And if you're listening and you do end up having an oversupply, donating your milk is a really cool way to help others uh, if you have just like a ton of extra. So yeah, it's super tough if you have a job, but it's not impossible and it's going to take a little bit of work with your employer and compromise and collaboration from your employer and extra work and, you know, extra acceptance from everyone, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. So that is difficult, but it is not impossible. Stop. Collaborate and listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> When does, like, obviously there's a lot of layers to this and it's a huge time commitment and it's emotional, like all these things. How do you manage when the stress outweighs the benefit of breastfeeding? Having a preterm baby or having a baby with a complicated birth is not ideal. It is hard. It is stressful. It is frustrating. It is terrifying. All of these things wrapped into one, um, it's not easy. And breastfeeding after that, add, you know, add that on, it's a whole other layer of difficulty. So patience, it takes time. It's a lot of work. Just feeding your baby when they're born early, with even with a bottle, is a lot of work. Just having that expectation that's like, okay. We're gonna we're in for the long haul, we're in for a tough ride. Let's 
get in, let's get it done, let's focus on this because obviously it's important to feed your baby, they need food, and just being ready for that experience. And that's the number one thing. If you can prepare yourself and have a good idea of what's going to happen and you know, just being educated on what's, how that works, how, what you need to do, what you don't need to do, what you should be doing, what you should not be doing, all of those things are going to make you feel a lot more confident going in. And so to the listener who asked this question because they were worried about it because of what happened with their first birth, I'm so happy that you're, you're preparing yourself this time. You're getting ready. That's such a great step in the right direction. And that's going to make your experience so much easier if, God forbid, that happens again. Because when we know what to expect, when we know what's coming, Everything becomes a little less scary and a little easier. Everything with parenting and birth and all that stuff is about preferences, is about priorities. So if it becomes no longer your preference, then find out another preference. What do you prefer? What do you think is going to benefit you and your baby the best? Mm-hmm. So if it comes to a point where it's just like, you know what, this is just not working. I'm miserable. I hate it. I'm resenting my baby. I'm resenting my family. I'm resent, you know, if it gets to that point, then maybe it's time to look into other options or maybe it's time to look into kind of blended options because it doesn't have to be all or nothing with breastfeeding after your milk is established. Mm -hmm. You can, you can breastfeed a little bit or pump a little bit and also supplement a little bit. Um, Is there anything besides diapers and weight gain that somebody with a challenging birth needs to focus on, like other than somebody with that whose birth just went as planned? Well, there are other things outside of breastfeeding that they have to worry about, but as far as getting enough food, that's how we judge it. Okay. Baby's gaining weight. uh, They have enough dirty diapers, dirty and wet diapers. Um, their soft spots, their fontanelles are not sunken in. That means dehydration. So as long as everything is looking good, that means they're getting enough food. Okay. So they don't, nobody needs to like be measuring ounces or anything. No, no. Okay. You can, if you're having issues, an IBCLC will do a weighted feed. So they'll weigh the baby before and after they eat to to make sure that they're actually transferring milk. Okay. So you can do that. But um, as long as baby, like I said, as long as baby's doing all those other things, then they should be getting enough. Okay. And if nursing is something that's super important to somebody who is like the the person who asked about this episode, would it be beneficial to meet with a breastfeeding consultant prior to having a baby and like getting some tips? Is there any like nutritional things that they should be thinking about? Like, How far can we go here to make sure these people are successful? Yeah, I think it's always good to meet with people, especially if you're feeling anxious or worried about something. If you have a, you know, a certain thing that you have to do as far as your schedule or, you know, whatever it is, like if you're going to be solely pumping, coming up with a pumping schedule with a professional is really helpful. All of those things can help make you feel more at ease. And when you're more at ease, it's easier to breastfeed. So anything you need to feel confident and calm going into it is great. And if meeting with somebody ahead of time makes you feel that way, then go for it. Okay. And then is there any, like, I'm just thinking like, maybe like an oxygen tube or anything like that, that is challenging or when they're nursing, that's not there. Are there any challenges with that and latching? It depends on the baby. I mean, every baby's different and there are lots of things that can contribute to an issue with latching. Okay. So just because they're little doesn't necessarily mean that there'll be problems. Um, You will most likely have issues just with their strength of sucking. Okay. That's the biggest issue because they don't have that strength yet, but keeping them feeding is going to build that strength up. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like their workout. Yeah. It's like their little practice (laughs) workouts. And then you would pump after to, to get the milk out so that way your body will continue to make more milk. Got it. 
Oh my gosh. Little tiny babies. So cute. I mean, it gets really complicated. If you do have a preemie, I definitely recommend seeing a really good IBCLC. You'll be able to see one in the hospital, um, at most hospitals, but they're so busy. They don't have the time to really sit with you. Mm -hmm. So I think um, a private one is much more in depth and they'll sit with you for, you know, an hour or two and like make sure that everything is, is good. They'll follow up with you that's really where you're going to get the most benefit. Okay. I mean, it's really hard to say, you know, what, how to fix a problem when everybody could ha be having a different problem. So yeah. I can't really sit here and say how to fix everything. Mm -hmm. But um, definitely going to see a, a really good one. You can find really good referrals online and things like that of, of people who have gone to them and been helped. And um, getting to that point is the biggest benefit. Okay. And then when you're looking for one, is there, are there ones that specialize in preemies and that kind of thing? Or is it kind of like they all know the, what you'll need? They should all know. And IBCLC okay. would know. I'm sure there are some that specialize in, in different things or have more experience in different things, but they should all know how it works. Okay, cool. I think the biggest issue we have when we have a complicated birth is we're already kind of feeling a certain kind of way, you know, like we're already yeah. feeling kind of down on ourselves or the experience or we feel resentful of something or jealous of something. You know, you have all of these emotions that come up when things don't go like you had hoped for. And it feels like a really big loss to a lot of people. You have to mourn that experience. And that really plays a big role in cre creating milk. We have to be, you know, rested and fed and hydrated to make milk. And all of these things mentally affect our ability to make milk as well. So processing all of these feelings can really have a big impact on how our breastfeeding experience goes. I remember when my baby was born at uh, 26 weeks, it's really hard to see them just laying there and not getting any food because when they're that little... It's not safe to feed them. They're at risk for a intestinal infection and essentially kills their intestines. So you don't want to feed them too early, but it's really hard to look at them and like, where are you getting food? They're all get, they're getting food from an IV. It's just a weird feeling. But trust the doctors in that it's good to wait. Wait until your baby's ready. Forcing food on your baby earlier than they're ready is detrimental to their health. It's not going to make it easier for them to feed. It's just going to be detrimental for them in the long run. So just being patient. I know how hard and how weird it is that your baby is, you know, outside of your body, not getting any obvious food. You know, they're getting nutrition through the IV, but it's just... It doesn't feel the same. It feels weird. I totally get that. Just be patient. Listen to the doctors and wait until your baby is ready to receive the food. Also, if your baby comes home and they just seem hungry all the time, don't take it personally that that means you're not feeding them or you're not doing a good job. That just means that they're telling your body that you need more milk. That's a good thing. So if you come home and you know, you're feeling already like you kind of failed them in some way because your body didn't do what you wanted it to do. And then they're just like hungry all the time. You're just feeding and feeding and feeding. That means that they're teaching your body what, it, what they need. So cute. It's adorable. Because <laughs> when I brought my preemie home, she was starving all the time. I couldn't feed her enough. I'd feed her. She'd be fine. I'd take her off. You know, half hour, hour later, she'd be starving again, crying. I feed her. And it made me feel like I'm not doing it. Like I can't feed her. I'm not producing enough milk. Mm -hmm. So I gave up. Mm -hmm. But. She's a little butterball. Yeah. But if you keep going, usually your body will make more milk. Mm -hmm. Now, there are things that can hinder that, of course, like uh, tongue ties, which is where, you know, the skin um, attaches to their tongue and mouth and so they can't move their tongue properly or a lip tie which is similar and you're they can't move their lips properly to do the proper sucking motions um you know nipple things like all all these different things can have an effect on that but if everything is is anatomically correct then the more they feed the more they practice the more milk you're going to make so if you really want to breastfeed and that's important to you and 
you know, they just seem like they're not getting enough, keep going. It's really hard. I understand completely. Keep going and you will make more milk and it will get better. And even if you don't make more milk and you start supplementing, that's still beneficial to you. Oh yeah. You can still feed as much as your body can make and supplement the rest. Is there any situation where, and I know so many people do this, so probably not, but is there any situation where baby will get confused and then like kind of only take a bottle? Like, should you try to exclusively breastfeed for a certain amount of time before you start introducing bottle or? Yeah. So the reason they call it nipple confusion, it's not really that they're like confused about the nipples. It's more of like the flow rate. So if your breasts are super fast and your bottle is slow, they're going to get frustrated. <laughs> or they'll have a preference and every baby's different. Mm-hmm. Or if your your milk is really slow and the bottle is fast and they're like, this is easy, then they might like a bottle better. Mm-hmm. But every baby's different and, and all of that stuff. If you're breastfeeding and supplementing, get a nipple that's rated for newborns and preemies. Nipples come in different size holes depending on how old your baby is. So the older the baby, the bigger the hole, the faster the milk flow. If you get a premier newborn nipple, the hole's going to be small, which is probably most likely the, the flow of your milk, especially if you had a preemie and you're supplementing or if you had issues breastfeeding, typically your flow is not going to be super fast, but um, that will help them not to get used to a fast flow if your, nip, if your breasts have a slow flow. Paste feeding is when the baby is upright so not laying flat, and you hold the bottle perpendicular to their mouth. Okay, so baby's sitting and the bottle's perpendicular, parallel to the floor. That's right. Okay. That will help it so you're not like pouring milk in the baby's mouth and they still have to work for it a little bit. Because when you're breastfeeding, they have to work for the milk. And it's good for their development to have to to work those muscles. It helps uh, form their jaw and everything like that. So it's good for them to have to work for it a little bit. But when you lay them down and pour milk in their mouth with the bottle, they get used to that. It's easy. And they're like, I don't, why would I work for this when you can just pour it in my mouth? Smart kids. Yeah. So paste feeding can help if you're supplementing along with using a smaller uh, nipple hole. And that can help prevent nipple confusion. That doesn't mean that it's always going to work. And Sometimes they might like one better than the other, and you'll just have to see how your baby reacts. Now, one thing I will say, sometimes your breast milk, after it's pumped, after it's expressed, will have like a soapy taste. It changes the taste once it hits the air. And so if your baby is like taking a bottle and hates it and thinks it's absolutely disgusting and is crying and and super upset... Taste your breast milk, see if it tastes soapy. If it does, uh, you can scald it, which is heating it just before boiling, and then feed it to the baby. That gets rid of that taste. Oh my gosh, you said that so casually, like people are going to be so comfortable drinking their breast milk. Um, Would I be comfortable once I have a kid? That does not sound like something I will be doing. Is that weird? No, you don't have to. You can try scalding it without tasting it. Okay, just cool. Good to have a backup plan. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to taste it if you don't want to. This Uh, is all about your comfort level. Like, being a parent, comfort, priority, what do you want, you know? Mm -hmm. Drinking something that came out of my body seems weird. But, I mean, at the same time, it's like whatever it takes for your baby. But also, like, mm. Yeah, you don't have to. Cool. Okay, so just if your baby hits the bottle, you could just scold it. You don't have to drink it. Yeah. Also, drinking makes it sound like you're, like, chugging Yeah, chugging it. You could just, like, put a drop on your tongue to (laughs) check it out. But, yeah, whatever you're comfortable with, it doesn't matter. Just out of an overabundance of caution, make sure you cool the milk before you give it to your baby. I'm sure you were going to do that anyway, but don't give your baby scalding hot milk. (laughs) (laughs) What about those bottles that are shaped like boobs? Are they beneficial for anything, or is it just a joke? No, that's a marketing trick. Um, So, yeah, you would think, oh, this looks like a boob. This is what my boob is like for the baby. But actually, when they start sucking, your nipple gets thinner and longer. So actually, those thin, long nipples 
are more like your breasts in the baby's mouth than those big, huge boob looking nipples. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so don't don't buy those big boob ones. <laughs> okay, and I also want to talk about those quote unquote breastfeeding aids or supplements. So they can help sometimes with like your nutrition or like something like that. But do you those, mean like breastfeeding cookies and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Those can help with nutrition, and yes, your nutrition, hydration, and rest has a big effect on the amount of milk you can make and rest has a really big effect. So keep that in mind. Um, but anyway, those are not going to make more milk. They can help with your nutrition, like I said, but they will not make more milk. What makes more milk is getting milk out of your breast. That's what tells your body to make more milk. So instead of going out and buying all of these things or making all of these cookies and all that stuff, start by getting more milk out of your breasts. Another thing is the herbs, like the fenugreeks and, you know, all the herbs that say, we make more milk, we make more milk. Those are very unpredictable. And in a lot of people, they have the opposite effect and dry them up. Mm. So do not take herbs herbal supplements without being followed by a professional and even then like take it with a lot of caution because I mean there's no way to know until you take it how it's going to affect your body yeah I think with herbs in general like people are like oh it's natural so Mm -hmm. it's like safe or like it's natural so it's not harsh but they're like extremely powerful very powerful so yeah be very careful about those herbs and teas and all that stuff because sometimes they really just have the opposite effect and just get rid of all that milk that you're working so hard to make. So before you take anything, get the milk out. If you're emptying your breast, it shouldn't take a long time to build up your supply. It should be like a couple days. Cool. Don't get dry on your own supply. <laughs> TM (laughs) (laughs) that's funny so if you're having if you're having trouble you're feeding your baby every hour and your supply is not increasing then something else is going on and you need to go see a professional is if you go to see a professional and they say oh your baby just came too early so you can't produce milk is that a believable thing or no No, they should be giving you ways to either, you know, come up with a supplementing plan or come up with uh, figuring out other things to do. They should be giving you options. It shouldn't just be like, no, you can't. Okay. When you're increasing your breast milk supply, is there any situation where it's not beneficial to your health like if you're trying so hard and the milk's like fine I'll come out or is it like essentially is there a situation where it's pulling too many nutrients from you and you can't heal in your birth or like something like that like where it actually it won't be beneficial I know there's so many benefits to breastfeeding but there yeah there are a lot of benefits for you as well as the breastfeeder so um I can't speak to every medical issue because I don't know about every medical issue on the earth, but um, most likely no. Okay. It will be, you know, as long as you're not malnourished, like if you're malnourished, then we could talk about, okay, well, you're not getting in enough calories. If you're, you know, calorie deficient, you're not eating food, then that's a problem. And then that's, you know, taking energy and stuff away from you, you and your healing body. But if you're eating well, drinking well, getting rest, and um, breastfeeding, then yeah, you should be. It should be good, and it's actually beneficial for you to do that. If you had a situation through your birth or otherwise, where you're on like an antibiotic or something like that, is there any issue with breastfeeding in that situation? It depends on what drug you're on. Some drugs are safe while breastfeeding, and some are not. You can look up Lactmed, and there's a uh, medication da- database for breastfeeding and pregnancy. 
and it kind of tests a bunch of medications and says whether it's safe or not. So sometimes OBs won't even look at that and they'll be like, I'm giving you something, pump and dump. But sometimes it's perfectly safe or sometimes there's another option for a medication that would be more safe. So you'll have to talk to them and see like, well, why are you saying this? Is this medication unsafe or do you just not know? And so you're telling me not to take it mm-hmm. or you're telling me to get rid of my milk. Okay. Is there a situation where like, well, it just hasn't been tested. So let's not take the risk kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. They've only been testing medications and breastfeeding like not that long, like a couple decades is it. So Yeah, it's also kind of a weird group to test on too. It's, it's got to be yeah, really hard. It's very difficult to test for that stuff. So even like just like birth in general, anything surrounding women's health, it, they haven't been studying it for all that long. Yeah. So we're still learning stuff every day and learning what's safe and what's not. Okay. So also in that case, just because your mom tells you something doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> so true. Very, very true. And sometimes you're going to have to stick up for that. Mm-hmm. And they're coming with, you know, all the love in their heart and they want to share what they know and their wisdom. But sometimes their wisdom is outdated. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing when you have a complicated birth is just working through the emotions, trying lots of different things, having realistic expectations, managing those expectations, accepting that it doesn't have to be all or nothing, Mm -hmm. that you can mix in some stuff, you can try things, and that... It's not about comparing your experience to what other people were able to do. It's about finding an experience for yourself that you can feel good about and that you can feel proud of because the reality is there's no normal experience. Every single person on this planet has something different going on in their lives, with their births, with their parenting, with their babies. There are so many different variations of what's considered normal. And we kind of get stuck in this cycle of, I have to do it this way. I have to do it this way. This is normal. This is regular. This is what it's supposed to be like. But nobody has a quote unquote normal experience. There's always something. And so I think just accepting that your experience is that just that. It's your experience. And don't compare it to anybody else. And give yourself a break. Because it's all hard for everybody, no matter how your experience ended up, no matter how your birth ended up. Mm -hmm. I know it's got to feel emotional if your birth didn't go as you wanted it. And then you bring baby home and now nursing's not going how you wanted it. And it's just like another thing. Like Mm -hmm. it's got to be really hard. So be gentle with yourself. It's really, really hard. And I totally understand it. And looking back, It's really easy for me to see how I should have acted and what I should have done. But when you're in it, I know it's super duper hard, but just keep reminding yourself, like, look what I did do. Focus on the positives. Focus on what what you did do right. Focus on how hard you're trying for your baby, how much you love them, how much you're willing to to do for them and sacrifice for them and how how good of a parent you are because of that. Mm -hmm. Because that's all they need. My daughter's not like, I can't believe you didn't breastfeed me for two years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she doesn't care. She's fine. She doesn't remember any of that. That's all pressure I put on myself mm-hmm. by myself. Yeah. And she's a healthy, tall, smart. She's like, perfect. Like, yeah. So, so cute. you know, you do what you what you want. Do what feels good. Do what feels makes you feel like you're doing what you are supposed to be doing. And that doesn't mean do what you thought you were supposed to be doing. Mm, Nice. Do what feels right in the moment. After all is said and done, after everything went down, kind of sit, think about how everything happened, how strong you are for going through what you went through, and then decide your, then make your decisions based upon that fact. Come from that strength, not from failure. You did not fail. 
Look at what you went through. You you did it. Mm-hmm. There's no failure in Get that. Get it, girl. So you did not fail. You exceeded all expectations. You didn't expect any of that to happen. And you you exceeded with flying colors. Look at you. You went through it all. Mm-hmm. There's zero, zero failure in that. And I just can't stress that enough. And when you go to breastfeed your baby and it's hard and it's not as easy as you thought, that happens to people who had completely normal births as well. So it's nothing against you or your body or, you know, anything like that. It's just breastfeeding is hard and we don't talk about that enough. We make it out like, oh, you just plop baby on their boob and then they suck milk out. But Mm -hmm. it is hard. But it's also really cool. It's really cool. And if you want that experience, there are ways to get that experience. Like we talked about, you know, increasing your pumping schedule, lots of skin-to-skin time with baby if that's possible, uh, using an SNS system, the supplemental nursing system. Um, even if you can't make milk, you can still have that experience with formula coming through the tube. Um, giving yourself a break not expecting to be all or nothing. We can, you know, give a little here, take a little here. <laughs> we can kind of mix it up. All of those things are going to help you have a better experience because all in all, your baby is going to be fine whether you feed them with breast milk or formula. And, you know, there are benefits to breastfeeding for both of you, but there also can be benefits for formula feeding for both of you. So coming up with a plan that works that makes everybody healthy, that makes you feel good. And remembering that 13 years, I'm 13 years away from my preemie baby, 13 years down the road, it's not going to matter if they were breastfed or formula fed. Mm -hmm. So find your experience that works for you in the moment. Love it. Okay, I think I'm done with my rant and rave. (laughs) (laughs) It's passion. (laughs) It is. I'm just so passionate about all this stuff. But... Um, I hope we answered your question and, and talked in depth about what you wanted to know. If we didn't let us know, we'd like to go more in depth on anything you're interested in hearing about again, Instagram at supported underscore season. Love to hear from you all. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, very important topic. Very good suggestion. We appreciate it. And we hope to see you next Wednesday. Yay! Bye! Bye, and thanks again for writing in. Yeah, we love it. <laughs>